Welcome to episode 259 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. We have a very fun show. We're going to follow up on the Fight Me poll results from last week, dig into some news that happened this week, answer a listener question, review a listener side project, uh, and share one cool thing that, that Marshall and I found this week. That's that's the docket. That's the schedule. Let's get to it. Yes, that is our uh, episode minutes outline. Um, But before we we begin, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. Design Details is brought to you in part by InVision Studio. InVision Studio is the world's most powerful screen design tool that brings together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all in one place. It's all seamlessly connected to the InVision cloud, so it's really easy to turn your ideas into great products with one connected workflow. InVision Studio was created by working closely with some of the world's best design teams and finding inspiration in how they create some of the most beloved and well-known digital products. Unlike legacy tools that were built for graphic, static, and print designers, InVision Studio is built specifically for a new generation of designers who are creating digital products. InVision Studio brings a new visual language for designers to collaborate with the rest of their team, including uh, the entire design process, as well as getting stakeholder buy-in, having comments and discussions on the designs themselves. Design teams at companies like Zendesk, Uber, Salesforce, Shopify, and more are already using InVision Studio's rapid prototyping, advanced animation, and collaborative features to build the products that you all know and probably use quite a lot. If you want to get started with InVision Studio, it is available now in early access. It's free forever. There's literally no reason not to go and try it right now. Uh, This is a next generation design tool. It's going to change the way you work and build products with your team. You can learn more at envisionapp.com slash studio. That's envisionapp.com slash studio. Go check it out. Download it for free. Start using it. Upgrade your your workflow today. Thank you so much to Envision Studio. Thanks, Envision Studio. Okay. Now we're ready. Uh, So, Marshall, (laughs) last week we had our first fight me. Mm -hmm. And I'm still sore. (laughs) Yeah. Or am I? Or are you? Uh, we we put up a poll on our Design Details Twitter account. Oh, okay, so maybe do a quick re- refresh for people who didn't listen to last week. What was the fight me about? Yeah, so uh, last week we had our first our inaugural uh, segment of, of Fight Me, which might have been poorly named based on the content. However, uh, <laughs> uh, polite argument, uh, polite mm-hmm. discussion with reasoned uh Call and response. How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, it's a courteous loggerheads. <laughs> um, so we the the subject of which was third party apps versus stock apps. Which doth thou use? Uh, so I fell on the side of the stock apps. I, I've chosen to to live my life uh, that stock life, but mm-hmm. Brian ascribes to a different existence. And he is wrong, according to you. So we put out a poll on Twitter. <laughs> according uh, to Twitter poll results, Brian is wrong. <laughs> Which, what else are we going to base anything on other than yeah, Twitter poll results? The most it's, scientific of all polling mechanisms. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the results were, and this shocks me, like this is surprising to me. I, I thought for sure it'd be like 90-10, but it's 59 stock, 41%. 59%. Yeah, 59% stock, 41% third party. Right. I, can can you explain this to me? 
Why am I so right? I, I don't understand. Why are you 59% right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, popular vote, right? I think... Maybe you'd win um, with the Electoral College, but uh, in, in <laughs> yeah. this case, I actually yeah. do win. What's the district drawing here? Um, <laughs> Have gerrymandered the poll. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you ran a targeted ad campaign on Twitter specifically for this poll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if yeah, only. so explain this to me. I guess maybe I, I, we should we should put it out to the listeners. Those of you who voted, uh, what? Why? Why do you side with me and not with our nice boy TM Brian? Yeah, um, I I thought I might take this moment to just quickly throw out some alternative applications to use. Um, so instead of Apple Podcasts, I use uh, Pocket Casts, which is the best podcast application available. It is a very uh, good one. Overcast is also good. Yeah, they say. won like and they won the Google Design Award. I don't know what those are called um, for their Android app uh, for adherence to material design, and their iOS app is is wonderful mm-hmm. uh, for music, Spotify, obviously. Uh, for email, I actually use Outlook, which Outlook has a horrible reputation for like enterprise desktop users because their enterprise desktop Outlook app is not ideal yeah you said outlook and i i I verped a little bit (laughs) yeah but their their ios app is very very good i've heard Um, this i know people who like explicitly use it given all the other like they're not forced to use it by their company or whatever like they use it on purpose i guess you're one of them but yeah you're not the only one i know who does that. i highly recommend it um it has really really great multi-account support for like a unified inbox and their calendar you still have some of the uh remnants the the relics of vestigial. what was once the vestigial features of sunrise which was the best calendar app ever and now that's rolled into oh, outlook oh that was ca- sunrise was that's an uh, outlook now yeah they oh. were acquired by microsoft wow okay <laughs> okay so uh calendar and email unified inbox it's great um i don't know man i think i think people still probably like something something path of least resistance as far as here's what apple gives me gives me it's good enough it integrates well into the 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 ecosystem why change i guess but maybe people can can tweet at us and let us know if they have deeper reasoning behind stock apps versus third party yeah i was paying attention during the first few minutes that the poll was out and the the first few votes came in and it was 100% stock apps i was like Oh, this God. will change. <laughs> uh, this is this is not indicative of of the future results, which it wasn't. But um, it's still still stayed on the stock side, stock side, crazy. Right. Uh, yeah. So so feedback from from that and in, in future episodes and future uh, uh, segments of uh, what did I say? Courteous loggerheads. Uh, <laughs> we will. Um, we will report on our findings. Maybe we'll even put out the Twitter poll beforehand. Um, mm, so that mm. uh, y'all can have your say, and then we'll fight it out. Right. Um, so that'll be on our Twitter account, Design Details FM, if you want to follow along. As another piece of follow-up, we mentioned on our teaser episode, our, our little transitional trailer for, for the new format, that we would be accepting uh, side projects to review if if anybody was into that. And we've received a few, few of those. We're actually going to be doing one later, but uh, keep those coming in. We love seeing what you're working on. So keep yep. it up. You can uh, message Marshall or I directly or just message the Design Details Twitter account or links. post in our community, uh, spectrum.chat slash specfm. Yeah, links are at the bottom of the, the show notes. Yep, links in the show notes.
All right. You want to talk about news? What what new things happened this week, Marshall? I would rather talk about olds, but I guess we can <laughs> I'll slim it in the news Ten here. Ten years ago on this day, uh, <laughs> iOS did something interesting. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's like 2008. I'm sure some crazy shit was happening. So this week, on board the heels of, of Framer starting to roll out their, their uh, 10x invite codes to people, designers are learning React. And there was this thread that came up on Spectrum today in the Framer community uh, asking what resources designers are using to even get started, how to ramp up. Uh, React is a massive ecosystem, and, and it can be daunting to jump in. Uh so we'll have a link in the show notes, but uh, we have a couple of resources for for people to get started. Um, so the first resource, which is pretty cool, was uh, reactfordesigners.com, which was built by Zach Johnston. He is working uh, as a designer on the design systems team at Dropbox. And as his first task of learning React, he built a website in React called React for Designers, which is sharing how he learned react it's very meta so meta. Uh, but his output is is beautiful and it has a lot of great resources um so i highly recommend that and then mangto uh of design code fame has done a react course and he is uh, considering doing a part two training session um i'm not sure where that's going to be or how that's going to come together but he just tweeted it today he said yeah. seriously considering a part two which right i glommed on to and i was yeah, like so that's a good idea if you are interested in learning React from uh, Mengto, you should uh, follow him on Twitter. We'll have a, a link to that specific tweet in the show notes as well. Um, and yeah, so if you've been wanting to poke around with React, but it's been daunting or you don't even know where to start, this week uh, some great resources have come out to make that transition a little less painful. Sweet. What else happened this week? Mozilla did something really interesting, which I don't think I've seen a major brand do ever uh maybe maybe you you have more context here but they basically are exploring a new branding system for mozilla and they came up with two systems of of how the branding should work and they basically just published a blog post saying like here's our ideas what do you think yeah <laughs> uh so they haven't decided on it um but they put their their explorations like here's why we chose System one, here's why we we built out system two. Here's how the colors work. Here's how this works for different products. Uh, what do you think? What should we do? Uh, like almost A-B testing the the brand that they want to end up with with people who use Firefox and Mozilla products. Yeah, I, I've been in... Usually this is a, the type of thing that goes to like a leadership meeting. Like I've been in meetings where, where these types of things are discussed, but this this ne- this rarely goes outside. You never see the failed right? versions. Yeah. Um yeah, but not only they just it's not just like one app, it's an entire system. It's everything, every every utility that they provide has its own glyph, its own color scheme. There's there's logic to why they're using the colors they're using. Um, this kind of reminds me of the uh, Instagram family rebrand from like I don't know what a year ago or I don't know how long ago it was. But I'm not sure. When, when they went to the uh, to the purpley orange gradient, mm-hmm. which also these are purpley orange gradients, but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. no shade. Uh, but I think they look pretty good. It's going back to a um, both of them 
are going back to a little bit of a 3D feel. There's gradients and shadows, uh, implied shadows. Yeah, there's implied actual shadows via gradients. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It it kind of reminds me of the um, Microsoft Office redesign from I don't know maybe like eight years ago or something. That where they oh yeah, you know yeah. those curly curvy um, like the W was like a, a ribbon that was. You know what I'm talking about for Word? Now that you mention that, I can't unsee that when I'm looking at, uh, especially System 2, they have System 2, which is icons for their new apps and services, and it's all ribbony, sort of twisty gradients. Like It twists at corners that uh, on the next sort of axes, you see the, the, the backside of whatever that ribbon is. Yeah, it's, um, it's also kind of like the Chevron logo, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like a, a red ribbon bent in a way that physics would not allow, and a blue ribbon done the same way? Yes, yes. Now that I Google image the Chevron Corporation logo, yes. <laughs> it, my brain is useful for nothing else if not collection of, of glyphs and UX patterns and logos and stuff, which actually is kind of a good point. Having a decent chunk of your neural network dedicated to remembering every time you've seen a pattern, every time you've seen... An example of something used before that uh-huh. is that goes into your arsenal. I'm being serious. You're laughing at me right now, but I'm being totally serious. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's such a specific arsenal of information that is very, very rarely useful. But when it is, you sound like goddamn icon dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, not yes. just icons. I'm I'm talking about like any anything, any any yeah. pattern, right? Um, because you will in your job, you will be ser- uh, trying to solve problems and having an arsenal having a having a, a collection of existing solutions that other smart people have already come up with shipped and you know determined to be worthy of of launching uh having all those ideas in your back pocket when someone says i need to i need to solve this problem you can pull from those and go well such and such app did it this way such and such app did it that way Here's a new thing that doesn't exist. I'm not sure if it's good or not. We'll need to use or test it. But like, here, here's some options as opposed to just trying to reinvent the wheel every time. Sure. But yeah, encyclopedic knowledge of, of steel trap icons and stuff in your brains. Make it happen. Well, well, given your your knowledge and certainly strong opinions on icons, I'm curious which system you prefer that uh, of the two that uh, Mozilla is proposing. And then I'm curious to know what you think of it versus the existing one. So at the top of the the post, they show the existing Firefox icon, which is incredibly iconic. Like it's been that way for, or or more or less that same form factor for, for forever. Forever. Yeah. That's, I remember when it launched, it was basically that. I wonder who right. designed that. Um, uh, it was, I know who it was. Shit. It was like happy cog. That sounds about right. And then I know, didn't Daniel Burka have something to do with it? I wouldn't be surprised. That that guy's epic, prolific. But yeah, I I, I mean, I, I don't know if I have a preference. There there are parts that I like about system John one, Hicks. parts I like about system two. Um, I think probably I, I prefer system one, although I like the top icon in system two. Like the it, it's evocative of the um the tail, the fiery tail from, from the legacy icon it, that feels like Firefox to me. And the, in the way that the other one feels more like, um, there's actually, uh, you know, the Fox is black. I think they're the Fox is black on Twitter. This room, the thing on the left reminds me of the Fox is black logo. It's a, just uh, a, yeah. 
It's just a uh, very, it's just a simplified version of a fox head. It's just a very uh, uh, geometric fox face, which yeah. I, th- I think it's an appealing glyph. I think it's an appealing shape. It, it almost has like a book inside of it. There's interesting. I'm always interested in the hidden, like the hidden arrow and the FedEx logo and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much, how intentional some of these things are, but it's a cool system or it's a cool thing that they're doing. It's almost like they're doing reverse spec work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so instead yeah. of farming out all of this work to the community, they did it themselves and they're just farming out the opinion to the community, which yeah, I, I like of the two. It's preferable. And they've primed us for updates. They said at the bottom, read along as we refine our, our final system over the next few months. What we roll out will be based on the feedback we receive here. So I guess for people listening who have strong opinions, you can give your feedback to Mozilla and maybe it will uh, impact the the final output. There's 1,700 comments on the article at the time of this reading, which is a lot of comments. Yeah. Dear God. I mean, it's cool what they're doing. I, I'm I'm fully in support. Yeah. Dig it. We should We should tweet out a poll with A and B. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll do the work for them. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll help. We'll help Mozilla. They do good work. We can help them. Yeah, sweet. And then we'll uh, we'll let you know what the results of the the poll are in the next episode. Yes. Good idea, Brian. You're so smart. <laughs> All right. So that's news for this week. Let's move on to a listener question. We've been doing one at a time. Let us know if you want us to do more than just one. But uh, the last episode, our listener question was relatively large in scope and we talked for a while about it actually mostly i talked about it and i would like to um formally apologize for for to brian <laughs> for for not doing enough listening mm, and mm-hmm. also i'd like to apologize for the listeners for all of my ums i listened back to the episode and was mortified by how many times i paused and said um so i will try very hard not to do that ever again i'm sorry i hate it when other people do it i won't do it to you Look at us learning as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, live iteration. So, what's that user question? Who's it from? This week's question comes from Crow Crane on Twitter at Crow Crane, who asks In the world of product design, I've often found it difficult to define a role. Who am I? Am I a UI designer, a UX designer, a product designer, an interaction designer, visual designer? <sighs> so I understand options. the specifics of each position, uh, and a lot of the job responsibilities overlap. Depending on the size of the company, the definition of the roles may vary. I see all these job titles used interchangeably in the industry. I'm curious to hear your take on things. Is there a specific title for each role, or do we all fall under the umbrella term of product designer and have different sub-specializations there like user interface, user experience, interaction, etc.? This is a great question. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like it's probably common and it's probably gonna have a hard answer so maybe it'd be mm-hmm. helpful if you started because i think your perspective will certainly be from an a, a larger organization where titles perhaps mean more or or carry more weight in terms of of uh being able to quickly describe a kind of designer that somebody is yeah not not only for what they do uh once they start but like when you're looking to hire somebody too it's important to get that job title right However, um, and this is a cool thing, the combination of the two of us, like I'm a big company guy. I've always been at large companies and you're a startup-y guy, although you you have worked at Facebook and stuff. But um, I think in in my experience, this is relatively 
common in in both areas, like in in large companies. Like I think my official title is interaction designer. I mean, no, 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 it's UI designer. But I do at Google. Yeah, at Google. I'm a oh, I'm a staff UI designer. My official title is staff UI designer, I believe, um, and that is not representative of my role at all. I'm a manager. I do visual design. I do. I make lots of product decisions. Uh, I do interaction design. I make prototypes. Uh, I I uh, am involved in user experience research to make sure that the things that we make not only make sense but are usable, um, both visually and you know tappably. Uh, and I don't think the I think it only matters interiorly. Like I think that the title only matters when you're talking to other designers. Once you get outside of our little niche, nobody really gives a shit. Like nobody cares. Um, I'm sure there's a similar thing. I don't know. Maybe there's a similar thing when it comes to engineering, but like different specialties, front end, back end. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but but yeah, there's a lot of granularity here that I think that the lines are very very blurry. A lot of times, especially in a startup, I imagine you're probably going to be doing many of these roles, right. um, regardless of what your title is, but you can, you can speak to that more than I can. Yeah. I, I think my perspective on this question is that the lines are so blurry that it's almost not worth thinking about. Um, I think that's why Facebook sort of coined the the term product designer way back when I, I don't know exactly who was responsible for that, but certainly Facebook popularized this notion of product designer as a title, which is very much an umbrella term. Like if you say you are a product designer in in the digital sense, it has these implications of you do user interface, you do user experience, you are prototyping interactions, you're probably involved in research, and you're probably involved in in some way in in shipping the thing, whether or not that's close collaboration with engineering uh, or or actually building the thing. Probably more at a startup level, you'd be you'd be building things and and tweaking pixels and doing that kind of stuff. So, so I, I find that product design is a pretty good umbrella role. And then perhaps within that, you build specialties and strengths. I know there are product designers who specialize in prototyping and they can create ridiculously amazing things in Framer, but maybe they can't translate that to production code or maybe they don't like doing iconography or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, we have, a, we have a term for that, which is user experience engineer, which is an interesting, what's the, what's the term for that? Um, oxymoron. It's kind of oh. like two things, little giants kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> where it's like UX engineer. But, but it truly is that. They're, they're a bridge between what UX wants to do and how to actually accomplish it with code. It's a, it's a fun, it's a relatively new role at, at Google, at least, uh, right. as a, as a, specific definition of this is what I do. Yeah. So, so my, my overall perspective here is, uh, titles, they, I I wouldn't get too hung up on them as far as give yourself a title that you feel like adequately describes the work that you want to be doing. If you were to go and interview at at a company, Mm -hmm. every company has their own sort of framework for titles. And it's really hard to translate that between companies and between different, uh, maybe even like locations, like maybe that's different between a New York and a San Francisco. So instead just hmm. describe the the thing that you like to do the most. And if if you like doing lots of generalist kind of things, then maybe product design is a nice all-encompassing title. But if you really, really love prototyping, then maybe you want to find something that's a little more specific to that, like UX prototyper, UX engineer, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Also, your your portfolio will speak more to what you're capable of than any title can. If you're if you're uh, if your portfolio, if your site has a, a bunch of static mocks, it's pretty decent assumption to make that you're not a prototyper. But if you have all of those things, I I, I would say that the a good catch-all would be product designer. If you can't settle on one, I would I would just say product designer. That gives you some wiggle room. Definitely. Good question, though. Thank you, Crow Crane. Much Thanks, appreciated. Crow. Yeah. Uh, if if people disagree with us or want to add color and opinion, uh, let us know. Tweet at us at Design Details FM. So let's move on to our very first side project review. Someone. Uh, was brave enough to send in uh, their in-progress work for us to con- uh, criticize constructively. We'll have a link in the show notes. Check it out. It's probably best if you uh, are looking at it along with us as we as we tear this thing apart nicely. Yeah. Um, if it's cool, I'll start. Yeah. Um, because I'm particularly excited about this uh, mm-hmm. this this side project. So it's called Podlink. It's made by Nathan Gathright. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a very, very small tool that generates a landing page for a podcast that has links to all of the places that you can subscribe to that podcast in. So for example, uh, if you search for design details, it will just generate a very small landing page with uh, the show title, uh, description, show art, and then little icons for all the podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Castro, Breaker, uh, and then it has like a small a small uh, link that you can copy and paste to share that landing page, and then a player which I assume grabs the latest episode and and lets you play the latest episode in line. So the reason I'm very excited about this is because this is the kind of side project that I think is super valuable to have in a portfolio. It's such a clear indication that there was this really small problem that was bugging Nathan in some way, like uh, okay. I want to find this podcast, but I Google it. And the first result is for a, a podcast app that I don't listen to. So I'm having to like do all this digging around or for someone like, uh, someone like me, who's rebuilding spec FM. And we want to include all these different links for people to subscribe in whatever app they want. It's a pain in the ass to go and search all of these different apps for, for this one podcast, grab the link, copy and paste it. So he's, he's basically taken this problem that that could have two different kinds of users, I suppose. And, built a very small but functional app that does the thing. It generates links to subscribe to a podcast for every podcast app that you could possibly want. It looks pretty good. I think, uh, Marshall, you're going to dig in a little bit deeper there. Uh, But as far as like portfolio material, as far as taking a very specific problem and and just solving it in a very obvious way, uh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, this is a a great little... Side project, I think I think this is the exact size of type of thing that I like to work on. It's a very narrow, clear problem that you're solving uh, simply. So, good job on that. Also, I want to say much props to the uh, favicon, like to the to the product logo itself. It's a uh, m- traditional microphone uh, icon, a traditional microphone glyph. But the the uh, microphone part, not the stand, but the microphone part at the top is actually a little chain link, which is a common metaphor for a link. So uh, that conceptually, that is very very smart. I might tweak the glyph a little bit 
if it were me, but but from a conceptual uh, standpoint, this is that's a great start. I tend to think that uh, a product is uh, is like a book in that people will judge it based on its cover. And if you have a bad icon for your app or whatever it happens to be, people don't like it. They're likely to just check out. And that's a bad thing. So starting with a good icon is a great, great start. So let's look at the visual design of this stuff. The first thing that I would suggest is um, consistency with your uh, with all of your elements, all of the components. So if you look at, uh, for example, the rounded corners throughout all of the different elements on the page, you are kind of all over the place. There are different radii depending on the element, whether all the way from zero to Squircle. Um, mm-hmm. So the the subscribe icons for all the different apps, those are all Squircles, but the cover art has, I'm going to guess, like maybe 10 or 12 radius, and the search and the share fields and the customize this URL button have a, a even smaller, I'm going to guess, four or five pixel radius. So I would land on on a single, maybe not for the box art, or for the for the cover art, you can that's a that's a larger element, so I think you can get away with something different there. But I would I would hone in on a single value and stick with that so that there's some harmony throughout the page. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there's a large search field at the top that says search for a podcast. When I hover over it on desktop, I get a blue drop shadow. How do you feel about colored drop shadows, Brian? I guess I'm not sure the the metaphor that's trying to be conveyed. Usually a shadow is like, let's convey that there is depth on this page and the light is coming from the user's eyeballs looking slightly down at a screen. That's why most drop shadows are slightly down. Uh, I just assumed that it was like the the light is on the ceiling or the sun, so it's always going to be down. Sure. Sure. It's not projecting. I'm not or it could streaming be the user's eyeballs looking from my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so as far as that goes, I think the colored part breaks that metaphor because there's not instances in nature, unless you're dealing maybe with like a weird glass where a shadow would be a different color than, than its parent element. And like the transition itself is pretty harsh. I think going from, from no shadow in this case with- on the search, going from no shadow, almost like an inset look to being popped out with with a, a blue shadow that seems to break the, I guess, like mental model that I have for what a drop shadow is. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem so much with the lifting aspect of it. This is a pretty major um, part of material design where uh, focus lifts the object towards the user um, and interaction lifts the object towards the user by expanding or, or or spreading out the drop shadow below the element itself doesn't move but by animating the drop shadow below it actually makes it feel like the thing is raising up even though it doesn't scale or move at all translate here you go from yeah kind of like an embossed inset because the the fill of the search field is darker than the background upon which it sits and it goes from a darker gray to a, a bright white with this Strange blue shadow. I would I would get rid of that. I think the, I think color shadows are fine as long as the color is a reflection of the content that is being shaded. So, for example, it right. looks like there's a darkish green. We're looking at the design details uh, leaf page. So, the drop shadow on the design t- details cover art appears to be a a 
you know, bluish green, yeah. which I think that's the right way to do it because then you don't really notice the shadow. There's a, there's a physics thing called bounce light. This is a, if you are standing against a white wall and you're wearing a red shirt, there'll be kind of like a red glow on the wall because photons bounce off of your red shirt. They, and then that it's called bounce light because of photons bouncing around. I'm not a scientist. That's the extent of my knowledge. However, that's usually the, our, our eyes are okay with it as long as that's the context. When you have a white uh, field and it has a colored drop shadow, it kind of breaks the illusion. So I think you're okay with this lifting here. Another aspect of this search field is that you have a right aligned magnifying glass icon, right aligned search icon. Typically that's left aligned. Um, and upon hover, Upon focus, uh, it goes away, which is yeah. a little strange to me. Um, sometimes that magnifying glass can be used as a an action, as like the if you hit enter or if you click on that thing, it, it will do the it will execute the search. Um, but because it goes away, it kind of loses that that aspect of it too. So I'm not not, not entirely sure what you're doing there. I, I would left align it and then have some nice key lines for your uh, text alignment and the icon alignment within the. Uh, search field itself. The player, I'm not sure if this is an embedded player from something else, but again, I would try to yeah. round these corners. I would make sure I that... I think that's like a default browser player. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not sure how much control you have over that, but... Oh, it's not. It's not. You built this? This is a custom player. Um, okay. So it looks like maybe he's using some sort of library. It's like... Okay. Uh, yeah, if that's the case... PLYR is, is a NPM package. So yeah, you're using that maybe... Uh, yeah, it doesn't fit yet. This is a large element too. So if you look at the bottom left corner of the, the cover art and the top left corner of the player, um, I'm looking at this on desktop, so maybe it's different on mobile, but those are uh, right next to each other and there's a bit of a tangent. So you could probably get away with the same corner radius on, on the box art, as, um, or, or I should say you could put the same corner radius from the box art on the player mm -hmm. and then create a nice little mirrored uh, edge there in that corner where you have a little tangent. Other than that, I would say uh, the um, text field itself, you can you can copy this text, but you can also edit it, which is strange for a link that doesn't change. Uh, you can't, oh, you can edit you it. You can edit it. I know, I was playing around with it earlier. So it's, I, hard, I, it's hard to do. Um, it like, it auto-selects it when you hover over it. What I would do here is I would if have I, like, that be- really, really fast, I can make it, input characters otherwise it seems like it's trying to be a read-only field oh i uh yeah i did it earlier on my mac i'm on, I'm on my pc right now but uh it's for gaming i, don't, <laughs> I usually use a mac this is i'm just at my gaming desk to record don't Shh. crucify me uh so but yeah i would i would make sure that that's not edible this doesn't even need to be a field that can be flat text on the background and the the copy button itself can be uh more pronounced um right i think you have a few major calls to action on the screen. You got search at the top. You have all of the different uh, product icons. You have the player, and then you have the that copy button is probably the the one that wants to be loudest at the bottom for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, there's there's other smaller things, but those are the those are the largest kind of consistency and and general like design feedback things that that uh, popped into my head when I looked at this right away. Yeah, but, I'd add one more thing just mm -hmm. in general as far as consistency is like come up with with a a pattern of animation timings and easing patterns that you can just use kind of across the board. Yep. So for example, um, 
hovering over the the search input has this very very snappy sort of transition uh but you can definitely notice it looks like maybe 0.2 seconds or something but it's very yep. quick and smooth uh but if you look at hovering over the individual app icons they have like a scale to them and it feels very bouncy um it and then if you bounce, hover hover over the uh the icon uh, there's a delay. So if you hover over the logo and then move your mouse away, there's this delay of turning blue to black. And same same yeah. with on the player. If you hover over the the play button, like a third of a second later, the icon changes color. So there's there's some consistency issues there as far as just the way the interactions feel, um, which should be pretty quick to polish up and will make it feel like each thing has like I can expect what what will happen when I hover over these these different elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as humans, we have uh, the reason that skeuomorphism was so popular back when cell phones or smartphones first started, the original iPhone, is that people needed a bridge from what they expect in real life to this digital world. Um, people have kind of gotten used to it now, so that's why we're basically back at flat. But if you're going to be doing something that mimics a physical uh, action in real life, it should be consistent in the same way that you would expect uh, a rubber ball a rubber ball to bounce a specific way versus like a, a bowling ball or whatever like the materials should inform the interaction and the and that as long, as long as something is the same material throughout the site it should have the same interaction uh, characteristics to it everything cool. is a spec everything is a spec that needs not just not just colors not just shapes yeah. not just yeah. sizes not just corner radii but also animation and verbiage and um, typography everything everything yep. is a spec show title? so overall <laughs> everything is a spec.fm <laughs> no i meant episode title sorry yeah i know yeah <laughs> okay Okay, so Nathan, overall, I love the the product. I love the scope of it, and I used it when I was rebuilding the Spec FM website because it yeah. saved me a lot of time. So it solved a problem. So that's sort of like my baseline of 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 feedback is good job there. Yeah, you you are doing. You've already done the hard part, which is solve the right. problem. Now you're just yeah. polish. Polish yep. mode is that's that's the fun stuff. So you, you're like ninety five percent of the way there. Yes. Okay. So for anyone who is listening uh, and and wasn't looking along, we'll have a link to Podlink by Nathan Gathright in our show notes. If you would, uh, you dear listener, would like us to uh, review a side project or something that you're working on, doesn't have to be a product. It can be a design, an illustration, an icon, whatever uh, it might be. Let us know. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, Design Details FM, or just message Marshall or I directly, and we would love to talk about it. This is an example of where I say we'll say do at symbol me, do at do me. at do at me. Yeah, do at me, do at me. Okay, Sounds so sort of, okay, let's talk about some cool things, Brian. Not that we haven't been talking about cool things, but specifically, share with me something uh, amazing that you've discovered this week that I should know about. Um, this is I don't. Okay, well, you just changed the context on me because uh, our our ending segment is called One Cool Thing and you just made it one cool thing that I should care about. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if you're going to care about this. Uh, That our listeners should care about. I'm speaking for the masses. For the masses. Mm -hmm. The royal Um, we. So my cool thing this week is is two articles. Um, The first is called The Bullshit Web and the, the second is called The Cost of JavaScript. And these two articles sort of made the rounds in the front end community uh, this week, 
really talking about what's going on with the state of the web in terms of performance and the absolutely insane overuse of JavaScript to power really, really simple applications. If you care about performance, if you care about the direction that the web is going, I think you'll really enjoy reading these two articles. The first is called The Bullshit Web, which basically talks about how much bullshit every page you load on the internet has. Uh, It's so bloated. It's continuing to become bloated. And uh, the basic premise is like, as, as pipes have increased, as bandwidth has, has skyrocketed from what it once was, people just continue to find really creative ways to fill that bandwidth with bullshit, mostly mm-hmm. ads, ad trackers, uh, really heavy images, videos, on and on. And then the second... Uh, the same has happened, sorry, before you move on, mm-hmm. the same has happened in the app world. I remember when iOS first came out, or well, when, when third-party apps came out on iOS, the app size limit was uh, to, to download over uh, not Wi-Fi was something like five, five megs or something. That seems low. I know it was, it was Maybe 100 it's 10. at one point. Um, yeah, but now it's, now it's like, basically it doesn't matter. Like you, yeah. you can, you can download anything over LTE or 4G or whatever, but, but there used to be a limit. And as, as speeds have increased for, uh, connectivity and as, uh, Apple has recognized that and loosened these reins, developers have just thrown a bunch of shit in their app and, and having, uh, whether that's images or junk code or whatever, having, like you said, a, a good understanding of performance and what it means to your user and being cognizant and careful about what, you, what actually goes into your product is, is a very good thing to focus on. Yes. Uh, it reminds me a lot of sort of back in the day, there was these, this promise of, oh, industrialization and globalization will reduce the need for a 40-hour work week. In the future, we'll all work 10 hours a week for for the food that we need and, and the daily comforts in life. And then the rest of our time will be available for creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. But instead, what's happened is as we've become more efficient, economies of scale kick in, things are cheaper humans just find more and more ways to create new problems that occupy our time and require new jobs and require new skill sets. Like we're very good at filling voids. And the same thing's happening here is as internet speeds increase, developers just feel more and more comfortable piping in heavy assets or piping in extra scripts. It's just if, if the, the websites hadn't changed in 10 years, everything would load instantly because bandwidth and, and internet uh, service has gotten so much better, but instead we've just continually sort of abused abused the growth there, which is understandable, but has resulted in, in certainly frustration for people that are are not on the latest and greatest of technologies. Well, it's certainly uh, become an issue, or, or it, I feel like there's going to be a reckoning, or there already is a reckoning with the next billion users. So. India, you know, they don't have the same connectivity speeds that we have. Um, and uh, a lot of them don't have access to Wi-Fi regularly. We've just like a lot of research about this out there. But uh, I think uh, companies are being forced to fork their offerings, one for people who have blazing fast internet and one for everybody else who doesn't, which... Maybe the, one solution would be better. Internet divide, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and eventually those people will, or those markets will catch up, and it won't be much of an issue. But then there will be the next billion people, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so keeping in mind all of the different ways that your app can be used, or your your product can be used, and and the context that the, it will be used, and we like, um, I guess I can share this. We have a separate Wi-Fi network at work that is. Very, very, very slow. It, I think it's slower than 2G. It's it's snail pace, but it is a realistic environment in which to test um, our, uh, apps that we have for for smaller yeah. uh, for newer markets. Yeah, Facebook had a 2G Tuesday, which you could opt into so that every Tuesday uh, your connection to Facebook Internet would be at 2G speeds to build yeah. empathy for people that have 2g 24 7 yep i i went over my uh family plan uh data limit a couple months ago uh probably 20 days into the month and i had 10 days where it essentially just didn't work i essentially had no internet if i wasn't on wi-fi and uh-huh. it was terrible and i and you're like i wish everyone built more performant applications uh-huh uh-huh. Yeah, I gained a lot of empathy. Not that I wasn't aware of it already, but yeah, it's yeah. like you 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 feel it in your bones. Yeah. So that's my one cool thing this week is uh, a reminder that performance matters, especially for people that live uh, in other places or, or are on the road and not wired into blazing fast wireless fidelity networks. Um, <laughs> so we'll have links to those two articles. Uh, they're a good read, and if you are... Uh, developer minded or savvy in that world there's some some great tips on on thinking about and implementing performance improvements cool so for my one cool thing uh this is something that i've already told brian about and gotten him hooked on i think but Mm -hmm. um i'm a big fan of of the hippity hops and and music theory in general uh especially lyricism and there is a podcast called Dissect. You might already know about it, but if you don't, now you know. So it's a podcast called Dissect by a guy named Cole Kuchna. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. But it is currently on its season three. Each season is a deep dive into one album by a rap artist, hip-hop artist. The first season was uh, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Each episode is a track or maybe a couple tracks if it's like an interlude or something like that. But uh, for the most part, it's every episode which comes out weekly is is a deep dive on a song. Not only the music theory of it, the chord structure and what that implies, but also the lyrics themselves, the story behind the song and what what the artist was thinking and what they've said about um, what they were going through when they wrote that song, very very interesting. If you're if you're like me, this will be awesome. But first season to 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 pimp a butterfly. Uh, second season is uh, Kanye West's "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy," which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, and the third season that is is uh, going on right now is uh, basically all the music of Frank Ocean, also one of my favorite artists of all times. Uh, his first album, uh, Nostalgia Ultra, and then it goes through Channel Orange, amazing, and his latest album, Blonde. Uh, and it is so, 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 so good. I can't say enough about this. I think I've gotten Brian hooked on it. He likes it. I don't know. How do you like it? Yeah, I'm I'm halfway through season two is where I started uh, with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and it's great. Uh, it it illuminates a lot of things that you wouldn't otherwise 
care to look up or think about, certainly from a lyrics perspective, but also from a music theory perspective. And then my favorite part is digging into the samples that every song uses and hearing the really creative ways that the artists have come up to to twist old existing art into something new. So that's been very fun to listen to. Yeah, so good. Highly recommended. It's free, obviously. It's a podcast. I believe if you listen on Spotify, you get episodes one week early, uh, earlier than every other platform, uh, which I have dipped into uh, just to get my fix. <laughs> um, but now I'm totally, totally current, so I, there's yeah. no more headroom for me to catch up on. But it's great. Highly recommended. Check it out if you like music and you like the hippity hops. It's also kind of a cool side project story. Uh, Cole Kuchner oh, yeah. started it just as like a, a side project because he's super nerdy about music. He said it was taking him 20 hours a week to record each episode yeah. uh, through research, production, all that kind of stuff. It's just then, him. It's, he doesn't have a team. It's just, it's just the guy. He's got a, a Patreon or something too if you if you like the show and want to contribute. Well, yeah, so he had a Patreon, but then season three, uh, he signed some sort of partnership with Spotify. Oh, I don't that's know exactly what it is. Okay. the terms of that or if it negates the need for for a Patreon. But Yeah, uh, good for him. Yeah, there's there's no ads. He's just totally in love with, with the music and it's fun to to hear him nerd out about it. Yeah. Check it out. And that is the show. Thank you to Envision Studio for sponsoring this episode. Envision Studio is the world's most powerful screen design tool that brings together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all in one place. You can try it for free forever right now at envisionapp.com studio. They're in early access. They want you to try it. You should go try it and upgrade the way that you build products. Go to envisionapp.com studio and try it for free forever forever ever forever forever ever forever ever forever, ever. thank you for listening uh, we hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought we're on twitter at design details fm uh, join our community at spectrum.chat slash spec fm if you need more podcasts for your ears go to spec.fm we've got a bunch of shows for designers and developers just like you uh, go check those out listen to some shows spread the love to the spec fm network and while you're doing that huge thank you to sarah jackson mm-hmm. right, does she go by sarah marie i don't know huge thank you to our producers sarah and our new producer drew for uh making us sound smarter than we actually are mm-hmm. uh and who, who do good work on the spec network so he's, thank you he's gonna cut up this hour of rambling into hopefully some somewhat concise and something reasonable half an hour ish yeah we'll see so thank you to our producers to spec fm to you for listening and we will see you next week See you next week. Bye-bye.